What are some of the key indicators of hitting a golf ball a really long way, specifically that research has shown us? If I gave you a sledgehammer, even though you're a golfer, and I said, all right, Kurt, I want you to hit this golf ball with this, with this sledgehammer, there's a safe bet that you will lose your balance forward. Your center of mass will get pulled over your toes and you'll have to take a step forward. You might be asking, why are we talking about swinging a sledgehammer? Well, you'll just have to listen in because this is one of the great examples that we're going to use to explain that key indicator, hitting a golf ball a really long way on today's show. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Golf Science Lab podcast, where we're bringing to light important research and concepts you need to understand if you want to improve your learning and performance. Hey, I am your host, Cordy Walker, and today we are looking at a specific piece of research, a concept that helps us understand how to hit the golf ball as far as possible. We're sitting down with someone who's been on the podcast a couple times before and well-known in the swirl of golf science and biomechanics, Dr. Sasho McKenzie. He is going to be explaining this to us, but before we get into this episode, a quick word from the sponsor of this episode, which makes this all possible, Body Track. And the topic of this podcast, as well as Dr. Sasho, relate really well with Body Track. First of all, Body Track helps measure what's going on between the golfer and the ground. Uh, and we talk a little bit later on in the episode specifically how you'd measure and train some of these concepts with Body Track that we're going to talk about today. And also, Dr. Sasha McKenzie teaches their course, their certification, so that you can get a well-rounded understanding of that relationship between the golfer and the ground. I think it's one of the best education pieces on the market, the way they put it together, short videos, understandable. You'll actually make it through the whole thing, come out with some very practical knowledge you can implement. I think you should check it out. And we have a great discount for you. Use the coupon code GOLFSCIENCELAB. You can check that out. We have a link on the post on this episode or golfsciencelab.com slash body track. Use the coupon code golfsciencelab. Really appreciate them supporting the podcast, making this all possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Now, you might hear some terms you don't understand or concepts that sound foreign. Stay with us. We have a lot of metaphors and examples to break it down. Actually, just so I could understand it, to be honest, this stuff often goes over my head the first time. So it took a while to figure out. So we're going to start with the sciencey stuff. We're going to learn this, look at the topics, and then we're going to make it understandable. So here's the idea. When the golf club shaft is vertical in the downswing, if you can apply more vertical force in your lead foot, you can swing faster. That's my simple version. Here's Sasha telling the whole story. I've, uh, you know, conducted a, a whack of studies over the last three or four years. Could be for shoe research or shaft research. And I always have the golfers swing on on a couple of AMTI force plates. And that's synced to the, to the club motion. And we also have ball launch data. And uh, one of the things that I, that I started to, to look at was are there are variables that we're getting from the ground that help us predict club head speed. And it can be challenging to analyze continuous curves and relate them to an outcome. So you have like this vertical ground reaction portion of the leading trail foot changing throughout the swing. How do you know what part of the curve to look at that's going to associate with better performance, right? So there's there's this statistical technique called principal component analysis, which is which allows you to say, okay, what are the features of these curves that might separate out 
um, groups of individuals. So you can take, hey, here's a whole bunch of groups that have, or here's a whole bunch of people that have high club head speed. Here's a whole bunch of people that have low club head speed. Let's analyze the entire ground reaction curve and see, is there certain things could be the, the overall average size of it, could be the timing of a peak, could be multiple things that kind of show up in this principal component analysis and say, hey, this is important. This is what makes the high club head speed players different than the low club head speed players, or nothing could turn up. So I was looking at the different components of the ground reaction forces, and some interesting things came up with um, the vertical component, and in particular, the vertical component of the lead foot. So it was from this principal component analysis that pointed me towards a particular time in the swing. It was, it was showing discrepancies between fast club head speed players and slow club head speed players at shaft vertical downswing. So it's kind of convenient, this nice, uh, I believe that's P6 and some common golf instructor terminology. I think so roughly around lead arm parallel in the downswing, but it's not lead arm parallel. It actually corresponds to the club position, but roughly around there. So when that, if you're looking face onto the golfer, you know, ignoring the fact that we're on like this inclined plane, if you're looking face on, you'd say, oh yeah, that club looks vertical right now. So at that point in the swing, it seemed that the size, the magnitude of that vertical ground reaction force on the lead foot um, was separating out those two groups. So then that allows you to do something that's more straightforward is, well, let's do a correlation. Let's, for every golfer's swing, let's pull out what is the vertical ground reaction force on the lead foot at that point in time in, say, um, body weight units for them. So it's all scaled to the golfer. And what's the correlation between that and their eventual club head speed at impact? And uh, I got that first study was like 0.84, you know, and then the next study was, you know, 0.87. And then I had one that was down to 0.82. And the last one, which was a, a larger group, um, it was actually came out to 0.91, I think. So it was the highest one. So, you know, you know, there's a relationship there. And that's actually in terms of trying to come up with correlations of swing mechanics, things that happen in the swing and club head speed, that that's very high. Historically, you know, there's been some studies that have shown delaying the wrist release correlates highly with club at speed, like that angle between the, the shaft and lead form. But it's nowhere near, you know, 0.8. It was, I think it was down to even around 0.4 or something. So this is, this is kind of a significant thing. I know that um, there have been people out there who have said, okay, yeah, we want to have vertical ground reaction force peak under the lead foot at shaft vertical downswing. But that's not true. That's not what my correlation showed. It didn't look at when the peak was. It was, what is the force at this point in time in the swing? So it could peak later, it could peak earlier. The point is, at shaft vertical downswing, we want this vertical ground reaction force to be as high as possible. Um, and there's a, there's a difference there. If you're trying to pull something down into the ground, that means that thing is pulling up on you, that should actually reduce the ground reaction force. So if you were doing a med ball slam, at the point, uh, overhead med ball slam into the ground, at the point in time where your force on the med ball pulling down was peaking, you would actually see virtually no vertical ground reaction force under the feet. A lot of times, it, you're literally, your feet will come off the ground. You pulling hard down on the med ball, the med ball actually pulls you off the ground. So in the golf swing, it's really interesting to think that we're really pulling hard down in this grip. At shaft vertical downswing, we're pulling that grip. The direction of force is directed almost perfectly into the ground. But at the same time, the ground reaction force under the lead foot is increasing. 
that's a sign that, hey, there's a reason why we're doing that. Because actually the the instinct, what you would expect there would be to have that vertical ground reaction force actually decreasing. So there's actually like this conscious, you know, kind of probably subconscious, but there's actually this learned effect that I better, even though pulling down this grip wants that ground reaction force to decrease, I actually better do stuff with my body to actually try to increase it so that that can help me generate club head speed and also prepare my body to handle the momentum of this club as we go through impact. I better be applying this positive vertical ground reaction force, have it increasing at this point in the swing to get more club head speed and, and do you know, have a body, better body position through impact. So it's doing opposite of, of what we'd expect from the med ball example. That's right. So it's not, the point is it's not just a reaction, right? At impact, that force we're applying to the grip is really in a lot of ways, you could say it's just a reaction to the momentum of the club. It's like, well, we're just trying to hang on to this club. That force is going to spike under the grip. You can't say the same for that vertical ground reaction force, its tendency, if you were trying to pull that club down, would be to decrease, but it actually increases. And we know that because if we if we do that med ball drill on, on, on like a body track mat, you'll see as you're pulling that med ball down to slam it to the ground, your vertical ground reaction force drops. It'll go to probably go to zero. All right, so now we got the background behind this research, kind of understand what it is, Now we're going to look at some ideas, some examples, some metaphors to understand this and make it a whole lot simpler of how this applies. I don't think it's not necessarily a natural thing to increase that vertical ground reaction force under the lead foot. Like in swing one, it's it's kind of a, it's got to be a learned behavior. Let me, let me explain why. So even you, Cordy, who's used to swinging golf club, and if I gave you the golf club, you'd swing in balance and there'd be no problem. A beginner might not necessarily have that same experience. And, and, and let's let's make you a beginner. Let's say you're going to swing a sledgehammer, right? So you've got your, learn, your learned golf swing, which has a certain way you use the ground, a certain, you're going to start to develop ground reaction forces a certain way into a certain magnitude. But now you've got a sledgehammer. And I bet the first time you swing that sledgehammer, you're getting pulled off balance over your toes. You're getting pulled out towards the golf ball if you, if you swung it and tried to hit a golf ball. Um, and so what's happened is you, you've started the downswing, you're pulling that sledgehammer at that shaft vertical downswing point, vertical ground reaction force is getting to that level the same way it would be with your golf club, only you're not, you don't realize how much momentum you're going to need in your body away from the golf ball, up and away to balance out the eventual momentum of that sledgehammer. Right, so first swing, you develop those ground reaction forces the same, the ground's applying an impulse back on your body, all of a sudden that sledgehammer gets down to impact, you haven't developed enough momentum and you get pulled forward out over your toes. Whoa, well that's not, that's not particularly helpful to me trying to control where on this face I should hit this ball or control my path, that's going to be uh, disadvantageous. But over time if I said alright keep swinging this sledgehammer, what you would see is you would adapt ahead of time, you would start to adjust that vertical ground reaction force, we would start to see it get larger and larger so that that ground is supplying is is supplying more impulse back onto you earlier in the swing so that you develop more momentum in your body up and away from the ball so that when that sledgehammer comes through, your body's momentum up and away balances out that sledgehammer. 
so that's what you know when you're teaching beginner golfers that's that's something that you know you, you kind of is important to be aware of is that not only are those ground reaction forces important to increase club head speed but also they're creating the state that the body's going to be in it at impact so that it can manage the momentum and the speed of the club so let me see if i can put something together here okay so the med ball slam you come off the ground because you're pulling down yeah in, in the golf swing that doesn't happen because we're using the lead foot as kind of like a counterbalance because of the momentum and the weight of the club no no this is what makes it so intriguing it should go lower but it doesn't. So we're fighting what would naturally happen. If we were just about moving the club, right? If we didn't weren't thinking ahead, or we're, we've obviously, after making swings and being pulled off balance, we're saying, hey, I know what's going to happen in point one, two seconds. I better start generating this vertical ground reaction force. Even though right now, what my body is doing to swing the club would say that vertical ground reaction force should be decreasing. I have this learned experience that says, no, I better start increasing, even though the reaction is to make it decrease. The physics, the, the dynamics of the system would say pulling down on the club should decrease that vertical ground reaction force. I've learned that even though it doesn't seem right right now at this point in the swing, it's not a natural reaction. I need to start increasing that vertical ground reaction force, getting it as high as I can at this point in the swing so that at impact I'm prepared, right? Here's a crazy example that I think I, I've given before. You and I are out at the end of a pier somewhere in uh, California, San Francisco or something. You know, they got the really nice long piers that go out. And you're standing at the edge of it, and I give you one end of a rope, okay? And you're right at the edge. You're looking over. Your toes are over the edge. And I uh, tie the other end of the rope around my waist. You tie the end of the rope around your waist. And I start running. I'm going to jump off the pier, right? And you don't want to go into the water. But that first, first trial, you just stand there not moving. Well, I'm going to pull you in, right? I jump off. You're gone. But we go, okay, let's try this again. You're going to see me start running. You're going to say, um, I don't want to go into the water. At some point while I'm running towards the water, you're going to start running away from the water. Or at least developing a force so that when I jump off, you're already pushing away from the water. So I have a question. I have somewhere I want to go. So is this statement true or false? Because I have a high club head speed, I have a high vertical force in the lead foot. No. That is a false statement. Does not, and I'll ex explain why. You could take someone like Rory, who I think could generate a, a really high club head speed. He could do that and end up falling forward and off balance and be out of control, but still probably generate a pretty high club head speed. Is it necessary to create the club at speed? You could argue, yeah, probably helps. But can you still swing really hard off one leg? Yeah. Is it 100% necessary? Ooh, you know, that's where it gets dicey. But it's certainly, it's certainly necessary to develop it to balance out the momentum of the club so you don't get pulled forward off balance. That's, that's a certain, right? It, it gets trickier to say, let's get that force high because we need it to have a high club at speed. I feel like I've done this in some way or form of, you know, swung something really heavy in a golf-like thing and fallen over. I think this is an excellent example. I mean, that would be a good way to gain awareness of what this feels like then, right? Yeah. And that's where, that's where the, you know, you, people hear people, oh, look at this drill. It's terrible. They're doing the med ball toss wrong. This is where an example where this could get misconstrued. So I literally could give somebody a med ball, like a 10-pound med ball, 
and say, all right, I want you to swing it around your body, but I want to make sure that you finish with your mass moving left or away from the ball. Release it down the target line, but you cannot be getting pulled forward. Right after that ball's gone, you cannot be getting... So if somebody look at, oh, they're throwing the med ball wrong or this, but they're not realizing what the purpose of the drill is, right? Um, so that would be, uh, you know, a good example of kind of just uh, think what you just said. Yeah. No, it sounds good. And then people use the body track because they have that what is, is what's the vertical force? What is it they're called on the body track? Dynamic vertical force. And and really you would also see you'd want to see make sure that's you know that center of pressure maybe is finishing if you didn't want to see a ton of movement, like stepping right out of it. You'd want to see, you know, after release that, that center of pressure's gone into the the lead heel, right? That you're not still kind of out on the toes, right? So you could even just use the center of pressure. That would tell you as long as you were measuring how fast that med ball went, go look, yeah, he's throwing it faster, faster, faster. Oh, and the pressure's after the med ball's gone. He's still got that pressure in the lead heel. Okay, great. When we know that he must have increased that dynamic vertical force, that shaft vertical downswing. Sorry, why do we know that? I, m- I missed that. Because they didn't get pulled forward. If the med ball velocity goes up, that means that that momentum of the ball is going to be pulling them forward, but it didn't because they must have been using the ground to get more momentum in the body away from that. Okay, interesting. So if you're looking at the pressure traces from the swing at 90 miles an hour and 120 miles an hour, and it was similar with the 120 mile an hour, you'd have to assume that they were putting more force down then, right? If I was to relate that to the golf swing, or should I not do that? Uh, no, I would say that. I would say if you showed me that vertical ground reaction, it would always, you'd have to, have to probably tuck in. They could have a really uh, rotary type swing you'd probably have to tuck in the horizontal one in there anyway, but it's really difficult to increase the horizontal without increasing the vertical. You know, you're, you're pushing down and out. The harder you try to push out, the more down you're going to push as well. You know what I mean? So you're not just, it's not just going up and going back. It's a combination of up and back. You're trying to develop club head speed. You need to apply force on the, on the grip. So in doing that, you, you want a big force on the grip kind of, throughout the swing, especially along the length of it early on, well, that big force shaft vertical downswing you're applying, you're pulling that grip literally into the ground, that's going to decrease the ground reaction force. So if you were to do that with a med ball, send the med ball on the ground, you'd see a decrease. So it's really awkward to do that, to like, let's get this club moving fast and also push into the ground. It's everything about that. Pulling that grip down harder, likewise, pushing into the ground will reduce the force on the grip. That's what its tendency would be to, to do. Pushing into the ground would tend to reduce that force in the grip. So you got your body doing these really opposite things at that point in time. So not only does it kind of help you think about that, but it also is a good drill to be like, okay, if I want to fire this med ball as hard as I can into the ground, I'm going to try to do this and increase vertical ground reaction force. My goodness, that is challenging, right? It kind of highlights the fact that, yeah, this is the golf swing requires a really high level of coordination. No wonder not everybody's who has the physical capabilities, swings it at 120. Last week, we had on Justin James talking about his training and how he became a world-long drive champ. So while I was on Asasha, I, I mentioned this, and we actually pulled up his swing, watched a video, and we had this quick conversation on what we saw and how it related to this concept that we've been talking about. You're counterbalancing. What you're doing is you need to... At shaft vertical downswing, you're 0.12 seconds away from impact. He's probably 0.1 second away. So 
in 0.1 seconds from now, that club is going to be pulling like crazy on you towards the ball. You better, by that time, you can't just say, all right, now I'm going to generate momentum away. And you can't push off the ground to do that because most guys are almost airborne, right? So it's not, you can't, you can't like even brace and lean back. You need to, at shaft vertical downswing, say, shit, I know what's coming. I got to start generating momentum in my body away from the golf ball to, if you want to use that word, counterbalance the momentum of the club that's pulling me towards the golf ball. Yeah. This is what allows them, you know, like someone like Bubba to be off the ground at impact then, right? Yes, exactly. And if you look, you look at, I'm looking at James's swing here. His body is moving. His whole body is moving up and to the left through impact. Right now, this is perfect because he is squatted into that lead leg. This is where you're going to start to see him extending out of that lead leg. So right now, it's that transition from squat to extend where that vertical ground reaction force is going to get really big. Yeah, It's probably two times his body weight underneath that lead foot right now or very close to it. Yeah, and now it's you're going to start to see all that momentum in his body. The general stuff in the body is going to be moving up and left. Like if you did that butt line thing, you know, if you were perfectly down the line, you know, they're like, you don't want to do the... Um, the line on the butt where it's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Through impact, he is crashing through it, <laughs> right? Right. High handicapper is getting pulled off it. His left cheek's going right through it. Yeah. And, and that's, in a sense, that sledgehammer thing, right? Yeah. He's rotating and pulling it through. So he's learned to manage that momentum. That's why he's doing that. Because if he didn't, at the, at the speeds that he's going, he would be over here in this light, probably. Yeah, absolutely. So you would not find a case of someone swinging at 140 miles an hour and doing this whole ground thing really badly, right? I mean, that just doesn't exist. No, I mean, you, you could find variations of it where, where someone could be, could be applying, maybe they don't jump. So maybe the, maybe the vertical ground rash force doesn't get really high, but the horizontal one would have to. You know, okay. like that vertical ground rash force would be, would be instead of ang- like with Lexi, it would be more angled up. Okay. And with a guy like, um, I'm trying to think of somebody who's super rotary. I don't even know. Someone who doesn't look like they jump a ton, but has a lot of cover speed. It would, it would be more angled horizontally. All right. We have some good insights into the definitions, kind of the background behind the study, technical terms, and then some good examples to make it really practical so we can visualize and understand what's going on here. And I feel good cutting it off here, but I know that some of you want some more details. And I actually cut this down from an hour and a half of conversations that we had. And I cut out a few more segments. If you enjoy the details, if you enjoy going further, Keep listening. Here are a few more things. Let me give you an example. We can argue about why it's important. Is it is it to generate the club head speed or is it to manage the club head speed once it's generated by other mechanisms in the swing? It doesn't really matter. We just know it's, it's helpful to have it be be pretty high. So if you know you're working on someone trying to increase their club head speed, and maybe it's because this wasn't developed high enough, you know. So is there drills that we can do to say, hey, look, can we get you to increase that uh, that vertical ground reaction force sufficiently high enough in a short enough period of time? You know, so you could be doing some some drop jumps on the bike. How how high can you get that force to go up? Even just as a feedback mechanism for a swing. You know, so you're if you're constantly looking at club head speed and you're like not going up, not going up. I think I'm telling them to use the ground right. Well, what are they doing at shaft vertical downswing? Are are, are the motions they're doing 
enabling them to get that vertical ground reaction force up high enough, quick enough. And and what the, the, the timing of that is is pretty critical. You know, you you see Rory, you talk about Rory's squat. That, that the rotation that you get, you know, you, you definitely want to start that rotation before the backswing ends. Most PGA Tour players, um, you know, you can poo-poo the kinematic sequence when the speeds peak if you want. That's a story for another day. But certainly there's even higher percentage of PGA Tour pros that transition pelvis, thorax, lead arm. You know, that that's kind of the transition. So you want to get that pelvis rotating. That's helpful to do that while the vertical gram reaction force isn't that big. You know, so it's this tricky thing. You want to get that vertical gram reaction force as high as you can in like 0.2 seconds, but you also have to get rotation happening before that happens. If that vertical gram reaction force spikes too soon before those hips open up, you're actually going to have a lot of trouble rotating the hips. And it's nice to think of other sports. You think of these examples. I think of shot put, shot putters, especially doing the glide technique, always plant that that lead foot kind of behind them, not not in a line. So if you if you get that vertical ground rest force and lead foot going up too fast, too soon before the rotation starts, you're going to stall out the rotation. So that's where you know, Rory's really done a beautiful job of the rotation happens during the squat. Then when that vertical ground reaction force really starts ramping up, that's now aiding in the rotation as well, as well as um, doing all the other good stuff we just talked about, setting up body conditions too, so you can manage the club head speed through impact. So is this a strength thing then at all? It's probably not a strength. That's where it gets into the training and you know, it ties back in the med ball. It's probably not a strength thing. It's probably more of a coordination thing because, you know, you go for uh, you go for a jog and you're already even just a reasonable jog at, let's say, um, you know, treadmill, if you put it up to like eight miles per hour, but you're already the vertical gram reaction forces as you go along are probably already exceeding what you need. 120 mile an hour club head speed. So it, it's hard to say, you know, you definitely sprinting would be like pushing the stimulus of this. You go for a sprint, all of a sudden you're well over two and it's you're generating those forces in a time period that's, uh, you know, right around what you need to do in a golf swing in terms of how quickly you need to get those forces developed versus instead, now let's say you get off the treadmill and you walk over to the squat rack. And you think, okay, when you squat, you're going a pretty slow tempo. There's not much acceleration there. If you do a squat without weight on your back, that means that roughly those vertical ground reaction forces are just barely going to kind of spike over half your body weight under each foot, right? If you do a slow kind of a regular tempo squat up down with just you, no weight on you. So to even get over one body weight vertical ground reaction force underneath your lead foot, if you weigh 180 pounds, you need to put 180 pounds in your back. And now if you want to get it up around two, you could squat that 180 pounds at a relatively fast tempo. Um, but if you were just doing regular squats, now you need to get into, you know, kind of 250-ish range for a regular tempo squat to kind of get the same level of ground reaction forces magnitude-wise that you do running fast or in the golf swing. And now you're like, Ooh, you know, so it's not really a strength thing. You know, you'd be better off just doing some some light plows or sprinting for that matter, not even crazy fast sprinting, you know, kind of just uh, uh, running fast um, level would be a better training effect for this aspect of the golf swing than just doing squatting. Now, there's lots of other really good reasons for doing squatting, I'm just talking specifically to get at increasing the vertical ground reaction force. 
was probably much more a coordination thing, much more of a, hey, like we just talked about, I'm not comfortable getting this done and still making contact with the ball. But it's worth at least seeing if someone can generate it quickly, you know, do some little drills where they drop off one leg uh, from, say, a height of a foot. Can you quickly bring yourself to a stop? Right. And then maybe you're dropping off something that's a foot high and, and then immediately jumping back up just on one leg only. Hmm. Those kind of things. Can you on the body track, you know, it's an interesting one. Can you increase the vertical ground reaction force while you're doing that ball slam? Right. That's kind of a you start to realize what level of coordination is required in a golf swing when you just all you're doing is slamming the ball into the ground now. And I'm just like, wow, it's actually kind of tough to slam a med ball into the ground and simultaneously increase the vertical ground reaction force. It's not a natural coordination pattern. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Make sure to say thank you to Dr. Sasha McKenzie. He is on Twitter. It's probably the best place to find him and say thank you for joining us. If you're listening to this and you are not a Golf Science Lab insider, you are missing out. We have our newsletter called The Dispatch, really unique insights and things from around the world of golf that I find the most interesting. Send that out on a regular basis, as well as you get access to our projects first, the content first, and all that we're doing, documenting what's going on in golf science and the world of golf performance. This episode was hosted and written by me, Cordy Walker. You can follow me on Twitter at Cordy Walker. It was edited, mixed, and produced by Joseph Published Productions. Thank you so much for listening in. We'll see you all next time.